0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All across our country, you'll find landmarks. Landmarks that designate places where great events have occurred, moments in history to be celebrated, or perhaps events that teach us important lessons. Churches can be landmarks as well, but not just for their steeples and architecture, but because of the spiritual impact, the spiritual legacy that they have left on the lives of those who have stepped into those church doors. Certainly folks in the San Francisco Bay Area can recognize what a tremendous landmark a church like Peninsula Bible Church has been. Joining me today is the teaching pastor and elder of Peninsula Bible Church, Pastor Scott Grant, and Pastor Grant, great to have you with us today. Uh, Folks that may not be aware, listening to our conversation today, that the likes of J. Vernon McGee from Through the Bible Radio has been a frequent speaker in years past at PBC. The late Dr. John Walvard, who, of course, for many years was the head of Dallas Theological Seminary, a speaker there. And, of course, we would be amiss without reminding listeners, and certainly the the folks that have got a bit of gray hair around the temple, will remember Member of the fabulous teaching ministry of Pastor Ray Stedman. and and he, in many respects, I think, put PBC on the map. Although, if you said that PBC is the house that Ray Stedman built, I think he would be the first to protest and say, "Craig, he, I, I had nothing to do with it. It was simply and entirely all about Jesus."
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I'm sure that's what Ray would say. And uh, I think uh, Ray started a great thing or was involved in starting a great thing with the Lord. But he also uh, really passed on to all of us, I think, a way of doing church that has served us well through the years. And the Lord has led us in powerful ways, I think, since Ray's day.
1: The peninsula, of course, since his day has changed pretty dramatically. It was sort of the bedroom end of san francisco in the 1950s 60s 70s and then of course tremendous change came about in the late 1970s into the 1980s and suddenly the peninsula became home for silicon valley and and tremendous technological developments that continue to this very day in your course of time Pastor Grant, not only as a member of PBC, but certainly now on the pastoral staff there, as as you've watched all of these changes uh, develop, how has ministry in that regard, how, how has the need of the people of the peninsula changed through all those years?
0: Yeah, well, I think it really transformed into a, a a place where work just became central to people's lives. So I think work has always been that, but uh, increasingly so, so that uh, people come here to work and work becomes central to their lives. So we've really, um, I think, had to think about that and how do we minister to people who are uh, coming here thinking they're going to change the world. And, and maybe that doesn't work out so well, uh, but uh, maybe what we have is, uh, is the answer. And the gospel, the things that really changes people's hearts, and and if you preach the gospel and share the word with people, then they can take the gospel and the word into the workplace, and then the, they can have a tremendous effect in the workplace as well.
1: Yeah, I was curious because we've seen research done by organizations like uh, the Barna Group, and even George Gallup's polling organization, to look at the the changing desires of people, the changing behaviors. We've seen, of course, a pretty significant decline in recent decades, probably over the last generation and a half of things like church attendance. And while perhaps some of the behavior of individuals have changed, their core needs have not changed one iota, both in terms of the need to want to be a part of something. Uh, I think that that grassroots desire, that innate desire to, to be a part of family, part of community. And then ultimately, I think that sense of while they might be challenged in trying to articulate it or define it, the need to have a connection with our creator. And, and and toward that end, of course, a ministry like PBC serves a very important function in not only helping people to better identify what their true needs are, but then ultimately discover fulfillment and all that.
0: Yes, I think that's right. The um, we we emphasize preaching the word of God, which centers on God, and I think there's a, a hunger in, in everyone's heart for for God whether they know it or not and i think uh, if we preach well and teach well and disciple well i think that uh, hunger is going to be addressed and 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 met and we find that um, you know people you know find christ they grow in christ they share christ and and then the community arises out of there too so people are uh, hungry for community and hungry for relationships and uh, maybe they're too busy in some some cases but they they recognize that need and it's uh it's really the 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 people you know more so than the pastors i think the pastors can preach and teach and disciple but we emphasize equipping the saints for the work of the ministry out of ephesians 4 and uh, so many of our people are just so great and so responsive and start ministries themselves and are, are such a blessing to so many. It's really exciting to see.
1: So is what you're talking about in a word essentially true discipleship? In other words, in some cases we see examples where Christianity seems to be almost a spectator sport, meaning you get dressed up, you go to church on Sunday, somebody in a suit gets up behind a podium, they give a nice message. I feel better about myself when I leave than when I came in. and. And then I go back to my day-to-day life. And for some people, that's how they define church or even define Christianity. But it seems, Pastor Grant, you're talking about something different, something deeper, something that has a greater sense of connectivity, not not only between ourselves and God himself, but, but also amongst ourselves. In other words, relationally, both on the vertical plane as well as on the horizontal plane.
0: Yes, uh, we, we, I think I think you need both, and I think God wants both, right? And um, we are we really endeavor to disciple people to come alongside people. Now, you know, and obviously, the the worship service on a Sunday morning serves a great and wonderful purpose, but one of those purposes also is to gather people and to call them into a deeper relationship with God in a smaller setting. Uh, and we have multiple smaller settings throughout the church, and then. Uh, And then the idea also is to send them out because uh, they're only sort of with us for a little bit. But we want to send them out to their families, to their communities, to their workplaces where they can follow Jesus and wherever Jesus calls them.
1: And therefore, each one of us in that sense is engaged in active ministry as we share our lives with those around us, touch the lives that are near us. Um, so instead of maybe the notion that, well, pastor's the expert at this, he's got a degree, he went to seminary, he's better equipped than I am to talk about Jesus or lead someone to Christ. But what you're what you're talking about is, again, true discipleship in the sense that you go to church, you get equipped, you go back out into the world and your day-to-day life with family and friends and coworkers and, and, and go about your business while you're also going about the master's business as each and every one of us has have a profound opportunity every single day to impact lives around us, and you know certainly if we look at the headline news and see what's going on locally, nationally, globally, there is a lost and dying world that is desperate to have some some hope to hang on to, and that message of hope is one that I think uniquely every one of us should be, and out of the very nature of the way. God designed this plan. Ought to be compelled to share, don't you think?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. The uh, in our, our in our church, there's very little clergy laity distinction. And uh, we really see that all of us are ministers and all of us are gifted. And so we really emphasize that here at the church, that uh, it's not just the pastors or the elders or, or the leaders or whatever. It's all of us who are in this together. And um, many of them are, are, are gifted in ways that I, obviously I'm not, and they minister to me. And so it's really a mutual kind of a thing in which we build each other up. And... Um, you know i i some of them are actually uh, sort of in some ways better shepherds than i am in uh, in certain cases and they they teach me and so we we just have this uh, we believe in these these intimate relationships that really encourage one another and uh, encourage all of us to get out there and use our gifts and to serve god
1: it's really that uh, that iron sharpening iron experience Our conversation today with Scott Grant, teaching pastor of Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto. A brief time out back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with
0: Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're talking today with Scott Grant, teaching pastor at Peninsula Bible Church of Palo Alto. Pastor Grant, let's pick things up where we left off just a moment ago some folks uh, like to hide maybe some people that are attracted to these huge mega churches we don't have the massive numbers here in the bay area but there are parts of the country that that might on an average sunday morning in one service get 10 12 15,000 people gathered together and while i think numbers like that sound exciting i think numbers like that also afford somebody the opportunity to kind of hide and there's not necessarily the level of of community and interaction That needs to take place. And so that that idea of encouraging one another, uplifting one another, challenging one another, that iron sharpening iron is really a key component to spiritual growth, wouldn't it be?
0: Yeah, that's right. And you need to be in relationship, right? You just can't come in on a Sunday morning and then go go home and not think about it at all the rest of the week. Uh, so we really encourage our folks to be involved in. We have multiple ministries, multiple smaller settings in which they can get involved, and we really encourage our folks to do that. And oftentimes, it's in those smaller settings where the real issues get worked out, the 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 pains, the the hungers, the disappointments, the hopes, the dreams, all that stuff uh, really surfaces in some of these smaller settings and we're, we're able to have these intimate relationships which we really need in order to follow the lord
1: you know there's a passage of scripture that reminds us we walk by faith not by sight some people i think take that out of context and might conclude that well Christianity is largely all about just a matter of embracing a belief. And there are multiplicities of beliefs out there. Buddhists believe in one thing. The Hindu believes in something else. On and on the list goes. Oftentimes, I I think particularly within Christian, we get accused of um, asking people to check their brains at the door. In other words, that this is all emotional and very little of it seems to to, um, come together from a logical standpoint. And yet that point is a critical critical one, a critical distinction, I think, of the ministry, uh, certainly historically, of Peninsula Bible Church in that its very roots in the 1950s was to reach out to students at Stanford University, uh, a group of men, as I recall the story, and, and correct me if I get this wrong, but a group of men recognizing the need for ministry Two students at Stanford University, to this day, one of the most celebrated institutes of higher learning, not only in the country, but perhaps on the planet, to be able to bring them as well the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you've got minds that are, by nature, thinkers, questioners, analytical and so how do we go about sort of bringing about a sense of harmony between the view that some people have that Christianity is all about belief and very little of it's based in fact and those that would say, well, wait a minute, though. I, I don't feel comfortable entering into a, 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 a religious thought process that requires of me to, so to speak, check my brains at the door
0: yeah well i the the biblical faith is intellectually defensible, and um so we we take an approach that uh, sort of, you know that a relational approach meaning that you need to have a relationship with God, but everything the scriptures talk about is is true and intellectually defensible, and so there is there is an academic aspect to it, and I think um, some, and I, I think a lot of our people really appreciate that, especially on the peninsula, that uh, we, we really look at the scriptures and, and, and un- try to understand what they are actually saying, but realize also that these, these this is the word of God that speaks deeply to people's hearts. And I think it's transformative. And uh, we've seen that over and over again.
1: And of course, that that transformative power of the gospel um, becomes that beacon, that that shining witness to others around us. And so much of the gospel, so much of the entirety of Scripture, uh, it can be proven not only from an archaeological standpoint, from a historical standpoint. We have got uh, um, extra biblical materials, I think, for example, of the Dead Sea Scrolls that bring about a sense of tremendous support and harmony to what we see contained within Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. All of that coming together um, to really be a, a witness, a voice, as it were, for the veracity of what we see in the scripture and the fact that it's it's hard to argue with the very proof before its eyes when you encounter someone who is living evidence of the transformative power of Jesus Christ. And I, and I guess at the end of the day, for a lot of believers that may be with things like, well, gee, pastor, I, I don't quote scripture as good as you do. I have a hard time memorizing passages. Somebody asked me a question. They want to challenge some passage of scripture, and I just don't feel confident in being able to give an Answer, and while it might be true for a lot of folks, at the end of the day, your personal testimony of what God has done in your life is really the most powerful argument for the veracity of Christ's claims.
0: Is it not? Yeah, there was that. Um, there was that fellow in the, in the Gospels who uh, wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus wouldn't let him like follow him with one of the twelve as one of the 12, he said, no, you stay here and you tell everyone the great things that God has done for you. And that's very powerful, right? So, and I think uh, if anybody has a relationship with the Lord, they can always say something about what God has done for them. And those personal stories are incredibly powerful. And as I always preach to my congregation, I said, we need to be a storytelling community. And so we actually make time in our worship services from, from, uh, you know, about once a month or so. Uh, Ten or fifteen minutes or so, where the congregation gets to share the stories of what God has done in their lives. So um, I think that's a little bit unusual. It's a little bit risky because we're giving the mics to people uh, who just are going to get up there and share whatever they want to share. But uh, most of the time, what they have to share is really awesome, and uh, we we see God and what what in their experience. And it really makes the whole preaching super relevant because we see that the Word of God is impacting people. We see that God is impacting people. And we see that their stories are coming out. And then we're all blessed by hearing those stories.
1: Overcomers by the Word, the power of their testimony. And, um, you know, when you've got that proof positive of someone who was in a certain state, had an encounter with Christ, became not just a believer, but a follower... And and engages in that process. And sometimes folks get confused. We look at Christ's work on the cross as an event. But the process of discipleship is just that. It's a process. It might begin with an event. We have decided to follow Jesus. We have made a conscious decision to repent of our sins, acknowledge who he is, and begin following him. But then begins that discipleship process as, as slowly and surely our hearts, our lives, are thinking, becomes changed you know the the old things pass away we become a new creature in Christ Jesus and i think for for a lot of listeners today they kind of struggle with all of that and say gee i i i i embrace the event but i struggle with the process you know even paul himself said they had to die daily to the flesh right but as we go throughout that journey and that process we see god begin to change our hearts change our lives add to our story and then this whole matter of being evangelist for Jesus becomes very easy. We just simply tell people of our own life who we were before and who we are now through that transformative process and I think if we if we hearken back to those fundamentals. I think even regions like the San Francisco Bay Area that uh, reportedly has some of the lowest church attendance per capita of anywhere in the nation, that even the Bay Area can begin to see God do a transformative work. But, but he always wants to do that through his people. Am I right?
0: Yeah, and I think it's those those people who 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 see that life with Christ is an adventure. Yes, there are ups, yes, there are downs, and we uh, have to deal with a lot of tragedy in life. But really, if the gospel is true, all of this is heading in a great direction. And I think the Lord reveals himself to us uh, in very creative and beautiful and subtle artistic ways that really take our breath away. And I think when people get a hold of that idea that this is an adventure, I don't I know that the story has a good ending. I don't know exactly how we're all going to get there, but I know that there's going to be places along the way and um, landmarks and uh, indications of God's presence that are just absolutely breathtaking. And so that makes sort of each day an adventure. That makes the whole life an adventure, really, of trusting the Lord and seeing the great thing that he's going to do next, or even the bad thing that's going to happen that he's going to somehow maybe eventually through our believing turn into something good yeah all
1: all things work together for good right for those who, who who know him and love him our conversation today with scott grant teaching pastor of peninsula bible church in palo alto a brief time out back to more of our visit right after this and now back to lifeline with craig roberts Welcome back. We're talking today with Scott Grant, teaching pastor at Peninsula Bible Church of Palo Alto. Pastor Grant, I'd like to return to remarks from just a moment ago. Some people oftentimes I think when they when they hear about Christianity and they might say, "Well, I tried that, but it didn't work. I still had problems. I I, I was my m- marriage still wound up in the divorce court, things of that sort." Not not recognizing that Christ did not come to save us from the challenges of the fallen world, but rather from the, the penalty of fallen mankind... And along the way, yes, we're going to meet challenges just like everyone else does, right? The the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But it is he who gives us the strength to carry us through those events and the ability to recognize that this whole experience here on Earth is really just the dress rehearsal for all of eternity. And I think if we live our lives out with that, thought in mind and 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 allow the lord to order our path and our direction and our way and trust in him and live our daily life hanging on him and staying immersed in his word um in the end we will have that victorious testimony to share um even as paul says you know uh, to, to, to 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 die is gain and and so you know as we're all kind of headed toward that that eventuality to to recognize along the way it's really about serving him trusting him God will work out the rest for us.
0: Yeah. And I I think the most exciting thing a person can do in this life is to follow Jesus. Who knows where it's going to take you? Who knows the adventure that he has for you? But you know, in some ways, it's going to be good beyond your imagination. Right, it's not going to be what you expected. It's never going to be what you expect. It's going to be better than you expect if you can look at all of that through the eyes of faith.
1: Give us a little bit of the um, the background of your own personal journey. I, I know that you are a lifelong Bay Area native, and and one time worked. At, can we use the dirty word journalist? Although I don't think it's a dirty word, it might be in the minds of some, but but certainly not in my mind. Tell us a bit about your own faith journey.
0: I came to Christ uh, at the age of uh, 15, 16 as a junior in high school. Um, I was um, introduced to a high school youth group and uh, found Jesus there and and began following him. I grew up uh, here on the peninsula. I actually grew up in Mountain View and uh i I had my heart set on being a journalist uh, from a very early age, and uh that's what I did. I majored in journalism, I went to work for newspapers in the Bay Area. The last stop I had was at the Contra Costa Times as an editor I think it's now called the east bay times and um and that was mostly just a really fun exciting journey to be a journalist and to follow jesus in the in the newsroom and um but I got involved in um in uh teaching Bible studies at a church that I was at, and and um uh, to high school students and college students, and uh, one thing led to another, and uh, I think the Lord pushed me out of the newsroom and ultimately pushed me into the pulpit. And I've uh, I, I I left the Bay Area. I I grew up here, but I left the Bay Area. I was away for several years and somehow ended up back here. And uh, then I began becoming a began as a pastor at PBC. That was 28 years ago. And so I came back here and I've uh, been serving as a pastor ever since at uh, at PBC. And I keep quoting this uh, country western song, Look How Far I've Had to Come to Get Back Where I Started From. But I think my experience as a journalist is uh, one of the things the Lord prepared me for to be a pastor. And I think of the unique way that he prepared me to be the kind of pastor he wanted me to be. Because I'm always asking what the story is, and uh, what the, what's the story in the scriptures, and what's the story in people's lives, what's the story of the world, and um, and how do we tell the story? How do we tell the biblical story? Uh, and the, the con- being conversant with words and teaching and so forth, I think um, that was um, you know, set the stage for me. Now I will say this: that I I think because I, I have this experience in the working world as a journalist, that gives me a perspective, maybe. To be able to teach and to speak uh, from the perspective of a journalist and the perspective of someone in the workplace and uh, I think that's uh, that has been a helpful thing uh, for me uh, over the years to uh, and, and also to to see that when I left the newsroom for the pulpit. I did not think I went kicking and screaming at first, to be honest with you because to give up a position of faith in the newsroom, I thought that was a pretty big thing. That was a pretty important place for me to occupy. The Lord had to make it pretty clear to me that he wanted to move me to the pulpit so to speak, but I didn't think that the pulpit was a more spiritual place than the newsroom. Because if we're followers of Jesus, we need to bring the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. Whether you're um, You know, whether you're working at Apple or Facebook or whether you're working as a pastor at Peninsula Bible Church.
1: So essentially what you're saying is you you went from reporting about the bad news to proclaiming the good news, which I love. And, Mm -hmm. And I like, too, your perspective. And I think it's important for all of us to be mindful of that sense of growing where we're planted and that. Every time we step out our front door in the morning, wherever our destination might be, heading off to school, heading off to work, going to the church to prepare sermon notes for the Sunday sermon, that we will come in contact with people all along the way. And especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, where literally the mission field is outside of our front door, we have the opportunity to touch the lives of people from everywhere. Every continent, every tribe, every tongue, it's all right here. This is a uh, perhaps one of the most fascinating demographic conglomerates um, here in the San Francisco Bay Area, perhaps uh, unrivaled by any other place, certainly on the planet that I know of. And I've been to 35, 37-something countries. I've never seen one area that looks quite as dynamic and diversified as the san francisco bay area and that really then affords us an opportunity to to have a tremendous impact in all these lives that we touch every single day so the work is not just from the pulpit as you po- point out pastor grant it really the work takes place wherever the workplace might be
0: that's right and um when i uh, when i came back here i grew up um uh, You know, in the 1960s and 70s uh, here on the peninsula. And um, when I I went away, I came back and I was in a uh, I was in a cafe in Mountain View and I heard four different languages being spoken. I had the sense that I wanted to go someplace new. But when I when I came back, I thought I was here for just a little bit. I recognized this is someplace new (laughs) Now I didn't have to go to the world because the world has come here. And so that's uh, made, it to, made it a very exciting place. Our, our church, by the way, is a multi-generational, multi-ethnic community, which makes it a very exciting place to, uh, to serve. And also, I think what the, one of the things the Lord has also done is, uh, at PBC is create some great opportunities for us to serve people who may be over, overlooked a little bit. So we have a thriving recovery ministry, people getting off drugs and alcohol, and, uh, we have, uh, multiple, multiple ministries to, uh, people who are unhoused as well. So the Lord's really blessed us in that, in that way. And a lot of these stuff, by the way, has come up from people who are part of our congregation and not part of the official, official leadership. And they've uh, really inspired us to uh, create these ministries and start these ministries.
1: So the church in that sense is a reflection of the community and addressing the community's needs. And I love that because, you know, the, the gospel is not just for one one narrow group. it's It's for Jew and Gentile, right, and all across the board. And I think it's wonderful that the church has had a almost, um, uh, how should we say, uh, organic way in which some of these ministries that you point out, Pastor Grant, have developed. Our conversation today with Scott Grant, teaching pastor of Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto. A brief time out back to more of our visit right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with Scott Grant, teaching pastor at Peninsula Bible Church of Palo Alto. Pastor Grant, let's pick things up where we left off just a moment ago. Just about every church has a ministry to children and to young people in the collegiate group. But then... Folks that go to the PBC website at pbc.org, you'll recognize, as Pastor Grant just alluded to a moment ago, there's literally something for everybody. And, and I bet if you come there and say, ah, you forgot this one group, uh, you might be able to make a good argument that, that there's time to start something new and, and get involved. Pick, pick up the the reins of that and, and lead, lead into a whole new ministry opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's right. We just had a newcomers uh, lunch, which was really—I think we had about sixty or so people come to it. And uh, somebody asked about mission trips and those kinds of things, and I said, "Well, we we go on an annual trip to um, to India, but that was originally started by somebody who wasn't an elder or pastor here, and they had this idea. And we've been going to India, I think, for twenty years now, or something like that. And I and uh, I said to her, "I said, you could start one. You know, you could you could start a, a mission trip uh, and uh, come to us, and we'll see." What what we can do to make that happen.
1: (laughs) For folks that have just tuned in, we're visiting today with Scott Grant. He's the teaching pastor and elder at Peninsula Bible Church. Information, again, available on the web at pbc.org. That's pbc.org. They have both in-person and live stream services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. And, again, details available on the web at pbc.org. Pastor, I'm curious, from your perspective, give me the, uh, what do they call it, the 37 Second elevator pitch, Uh, meaning you you run into somebody in the elevator, you're going to ride down a couple of floors, you got 30 seconds, and uh, they say to you, oh, so you're a pastor at a church, well, tell me about your church, give us that thumbnail sketch, if you would, for folks that are new to the Bay Area, perhaps looking for a new church home, they've heard our discussion today and say, gee, I, I like what that guy's got to say, I'm curious what PBC is all about.
0: Well, I would say front and center is following Jesus. You look at our website, and we say following Jesus in the Silicon Valley. So the Lord's placed us here in the Silicon Valley, this unique place in the world, and we are trying to follow Jesus in the Silicon Valley. How do we do that? um, a central part of that for us is we preach the Word of God. We believe in the Scriptures. The, we believe they're from God. We believe they are just outstanding for building people up and bringing people to Christ. Uh, we believe in the New Covenant, which is uh, dependence on the Spirit for the presentation of Christ from the Word of God. We believe in equipping the saints. That means everybody for the work of the ministry and that you can get involved and um, and and really be a real uh, person of consequence in the church and in the community, and we also believe in shared leadership so that we actually don't have a lead pastor or senior pastor or elder-led church. We really believe in relationships, uh, and uh, so we're we're all about following Jesus and helping people to follow Jesus.
1: Sounds like it looks like a, a lot of the reflection of the first century church, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah, we're 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 trying to get get it from the scriptures and trying to do the best we can to figure out what the scriptures say and to, and to follow Jesus according to what the what the scriptures tell us. As you
1: take a step back for a moment and you look at the community that you serve, the Greater Peninsula, both through the eyes of a believer, somebody that is in a a, a pastoral teaching role, as well as a journalist. What do you see as the greatest pressing need at the moment? And how can and should we as the church be meeting or addressing that need?
0: Well, I think probably the biggest challenge in in this area, and you've pointed this out, is it's a very secular area, right? And so uh, doing doing church here is going to be different from a lot of other uh, parts of the country. And um, so... I, I think teaching the Word of God is just still going to be central no matter what the thing is, no matter what's going on. Uh, and and maybe you need to think about, okay, how does the Word of God then address the particular needs of this particular place? And, uh, I, you know, as I said earlier, we have this recovery ministry, and sometimes, you know, those are the overlooked folks and the homeless folks or the unhoused folks or sometimes the overlooked folks but oftentimes what we find is they're the ones who are, are, are hungriest in terms of they recognize their need maybe better than some of the rest of us. And, and so uh, that's one of the ways that we've been able to be uh, successful with the gospel is to, with the recovery ministry and the, uh, and the folks who are unhoused.
1: You know, the irony is uh, here in a region like the peninsula, we are so enormously blessed to the point of, of being mega blessed in the amount of abundance. I mean, yes, we live in the most probably expensive part of the entire state. Let alone the entire country, arguably so. Uh, And yet, it's sometimes in the the midst of all of that uh, abundance and success for mankind to recognize his real, true sort of baseline depravity. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how the bigger challenges we face in life be it a health crisis, Maybe it's a heart attack. Maybe it's a cancer diagnosis or the loss of a job that leads to the inability to pay a mortgage that leads to losing a home and suddenly being on the streets. These kinds of life events, I think, that oftentimes will will serve a greater purpose toward helping us to recognize that in the end, it's really only God and our families that count. And that all of the blessings in the world from a material standpoint don't provide peace. They don't provide satisfaction. Ask any multimillionaire what his greatest need is and he'll undoubtedly tell you more money. When in fact that's just a cover up or an excuse in in not fully recognizing the true need. And that is what God recognized. Providing Christ is a means by which we might be forgiven. Forgiven be reconciled unto him to walk in relationship with our creator. And if we can communicate that message in any fashion and form, you know, all things to all men that I might win some, as Paul said, I think that's uh, that's certainly job number one. And, um, you know, you go where they're hungry. And if where the greatest hunger is happens to be on the street corner and the guy that's cowering in the uh, in the doorway that uh, needs uh, needs a place to sleep in the next meal, uh, there's where I believe we should take the gospel, as well as, of course, to, to the, the ivory tower.
0: That's right. Yeah, there, there, there's and everybody sort of connects with a hunger of some sort, even the most successful people. And um, and and so we 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 do our best to try to to try to say that hey, whatever it is you think that's doing it for you, it's it's not doing it for you. And, um, and and maybe around here we we have bowed down before the altar of the Almighty Silicon Chip, and maybe the Silicon Chip is just not is just not the God we want it to be. And I think eventually people will recognize that, and then they'll search elsewhere. And. Uh, really the place to search is uh, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you
1: look, you look at some of the events on Wall Street that have a ripple effect all the way from Wall Street to a Page Mill Road in Palo Alto and wonder if God's not attempting to get our attention, that indeed bowing at that altar of the, the silicon chip, as you say, is uh, wrought with not only lots of problems, but, but in the end, extreme disappointment. Well, as we say, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area or looking for a new church home, we invite you to check out more about the uh, the ministry and uh, the community taking place at Peninsula Bible Church. They're located at 3505 Middlefield Road in Palo Alto. That's 3505 Middlefield Road in Palo Alto. And you can call them to get information at area code 650-494-3840. That's 650-494-3840. Or easier still, see them on the web at pbc.org. That's PBC for Peninsula Bible Church, pbc.org. In person and live stream services held every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Folks new to the Bay Area, looking for a new church home, undoubtedly, as we move into the holiday season, there's going to be lots of exciting things going on at PBC.
0: I think there is something. I just don't have the date for it. <laughs>
1: Well, with that, we can drive folks to the website to get more information. And certainly, again, you're invited to go to pbc.org. That's pbc.org. As we say, don't forget that they have live and in-person services every Sunday morning at 9 and again at 11 a.m. And so if you're looking for a new church home, you're always welcome at Peninsula Bible Church online at pbc.org. Pastor Scott Grant, we appreciate so much spending some time with you today.
0: Thanks for giving me the opportunity.